song to Gary. You already know that. Okay. Not my mic. Run, not your mic, just your stand. Yeah, just the stand. Sing. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. Till when? Till I met you. Let's put our hands together just like this. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. And it was, it was my tomb. Till when? Till I met you. That's right. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave, out of the dark. 
Sing this with us. We needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. You called me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Your love is the air that I'm breathing. My eyes are open when you call my name. with us. God 
God is with us. He is on our side. He will make a way. Far above all we know. Far above all we know. He has done great things. Oh, yes, He has. Lift it up. Lift it up. Defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name, we overcome for the Lord, for the Lord, our God is able, He's with us, God is with us, we will go before he will never leave us. He will never leave us. God is for us. He has opened us. He will never fail us. He will never fail us. Ooh, lift it up. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Great to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. For the Lord, our God is able. Once again, lift it up. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Raised to life. Raised to life. Our God is able in His name. Overcome for the Lord, our God is able. For the Lord, for the Lord, our God is able. Once again, for the Lord, our God is able. Yes, He is. Give the Lord a hand. He deserves it. I'd like to invite Pastor Gary up. Lead us in a time of prayer. You can have a seat, folks. All right. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? All right. Well, good. Good to see you all. Thank you for being here today. I want to welcome you guys. If you're joining us through Facebook or on YouTube, we're really glad you're with us today. Uh, thank you for joining and worshiping with us. Um, one of our values as a church is revival prayer. And what we mean by this is that we want to devote ourselves to united prayer for the advancement of the gospel in our community and world. Okay? Let me say that again. That, that we want to devote ourselves to united prayer for the advancement of the gospel in our community and our world. Now, folks, um, you know, what, what our world needs today is not a new person as governor. And not a new person in the White House. You may disagree with me on that. What our world needs is it needs revival. Okay? And in, in more, I think sometimes we get real involved in all the political stuff and all these other things. And the great need right now isn't who's in the White House. The great need right now is who is ruling in your heart and my heart. And that's what really matters. I believe if 330 million people will bow their knee to Jesus confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, this world, this country will change dramatically. 
And so the great need of our nation isn't going to be solved through our politics. It's only going to be solved through the gospel. Only the gospel can change people's lives forever. And that's what our great need is today. Um, I want to read for you a text of scripture that I've kind of been meditating on and uh, just kind of make a couple of comments about it. it. This is Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. I don't have a slide on this. If you have a Bible, you might want to open up to it. Psalm chapter 119, verses 33 through 40. And um, and just a, a couple of quick comments on this. First of all, um, in Psalm 119, there are a lot of different words that the psalmist uses to describe the Word of God. And when you read Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40, you should read this as a prayer. Okay? You should read This is someone who is praying, earnestly praying and seeking God. And this is what the psalmist prays. prays. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Teach me. And I shall observe it to the end. Do you see the heart of the psalmist? That his desire is to know God's word so that he may observe it to the end. That, that there is a yearning to follow God in these words. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Keep it with all my heart. We're talking about wholehearted obedience. Not just giving a piece of our heart to God, but wholehearted obedience. Give me understanding that I observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. What does it mean to look at vanity? Anytime we look to anything as our supreme source of joy. By the way, you can look for your joy in financial security. Did you know that? You can look for your joy in having a nice home and driving a nice car. You can look for your joy in a relationship with a person. And anytime we are looking to anything other than God. Um, as the supreme joy of our lives, then what we're doing is we're bowing down to an idol. And so what the psalmist prays, he, he says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. But why? Because it's so easy for us to do this. Even for a pastor, I, you know, for a businessman, he may look for his joy in career success. A pastor can look for it in ministry, quote unquote, ministry success, whatever that means. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. Revive me. There's that word, that very important word. Revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach. God's punishment for our sins. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. And it says, behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me to your righteousness. Revival, revival, I believe, is spiritual renewal or spiritual revitalization. It is a a fresh work of the Spirit through the Word of God in our souls. By the way, by the way, if you want revival, God wants to revive you through His Word. Why do I say that? Well, I mean, that's what the psalmist says. 
He says, turn away uh, my eyes from looking at vanity. Revive me in your ways, the ways of God's word. That that spiritual uh, revival is a fresh work of the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working through the word of God uh, in the life of a person who humbly confesses their sins and repents. Who humbly seeks God in prayer and who joyfully and lovingly surrenders uh, to uh, the lordship and the purposes of God in his life with wholehearted obedience. And I think that's what revival is about. And right now, what I want to do is I just want to lead us in a moment of surrender to God and asking him to revive us through his word. Okay? God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. Uh, In all your ways, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. You are righteous in all of your judgments. And God, you are full of grace and mercy and love and, and ready to forgive all who humble themselves before you. God, right now, I ask you to examine our hearts and minds. Help us to, to, to look honestly at ourselves and look and, and think about what is it that we're really looking to as the inner source of joy, the greatest joy of our lives. And Lord, right now, what we want to do is we want to, um, we want to cast aside all idols of the heart. Lord, help us to renounce all sin. Uh, and help us, God, to come to you humbly. To seek your cleansing. God, cleanse us, I pray. Lord, right now, what we want to pray for is that we will help us, God, to seek you and give you, seek you above all things and give you first place in all things. Lord, revive us according to your righteousness. Revive us through your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to work in our lives today. Work in our lives as we continue our worship. Work in our lives as we look to your word and we listen to what you have to say to us today. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's worship our way maker. Elsa's going to take this first verse for us. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place. I worship you, Lord, I worship you. You are the way maker, 
miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're here. trusted. He can make a way when there seems to be no way. He's a miracle worker. Let's sing this. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. You are the miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are the miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. 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 That is who you
pray together, church. God, we thank you so much for being a way maker. And we ask you, as Gary did earlier, to revive our hearts, revive our land, revive our nation. You can make that happen, Lord. You can make a way. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the willingness to humble ourselves and to seek you and to put you first in our lives to delight in you above all things, to allow you to make a way where there seems to be no way. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat, everybody. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to say a special hello to Facebook and our YouTube viewers. Um, I just wanted to go over a couple of announcements, and if you miss any of them, you can also find them all on our app. There are different sections. You just click on them to get that information. Um, We want to really encourage people to connect and grow together. So we've got a few uh, Bible study groups that are happening, connection groups, whatever you want to call them. Just show up and connect with other like-minded believers to learn and grow. Uh, Pastor Gary's group will be meeting on Monday nights. What time? 7 o'clock. So every Monday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. Uh, Carolyn's group is on break. Currently, but it will be coming back again, hopefully, on Tuesday nights. Um, Joy is also starting a new women's group today. It's a backyard Bible study group, I believe, and until it gets too cold, then it'll move inside. And that's going to be on First Peter, um, the classes. Eric and I will be leading a group. We're starting an informal meeting this Tuesday. We're just going to get together and pray and then go over specifics. We will be meeting at the church in the Adventure Zone in the back um, because there's another group meeting in the front. So just come in through the Adventure Zone door. And then the Acords will be starting their group on Thursday, the 30th of this month. It will also be meeting here at 630. Um, so we just really want to encourage you to look up, find which fit. Maybe if you want more than one, you're more than welcome. If it meets on a different night, you can go to as many as you would like. But we really encourage you to pick one, please. Um, you can also find different info, like I said, about the groups and serving opportunities on our SVC app. And if you don't have the app yet, it's very easy to get. You just go to the App Store or Google Store and download it from a free for free from there. I can say that fast. <laughs> we also are excited. We are going to have a drive through trunk or treat coming up. It'll be taking place right here in the front lot um, on Saturday, October 30th, and it's going to be from 1 to 3 p.m. And we are so thrilled to bring this event to our community. We hope to reach out to those people in this area and just encourage them, love on them, and give them lots of candy. So to make this happen, we are needing a few more people to decorate their trunks. It's fairly easy. You can go big or do little, whatever. Just give out candy, make it fun for the kids. Um, We also will need candy donations. So there is a sign-up table in the back behind our sound booth. It's 
very pumpkin-y and fall festival-y. Um, so just come and join and um, help us support the people in our community and just love on them. Any questions, you can either contact Joy Ronsvall or Jen Protovinsky. They are the leads for this event. At this time, we're going to continue our worshiping with our giving. Because of you, God is using Solano Valley Church to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community and beyond. Your giving changes lives for all of eternity. And so we thank you so much for your kindness and your generosity. There are a couple of ways or a few ways that you can give in our church. You can give online by going to www.solanovalley.org forward slash giving. You can also tap give on that SVC app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield 94534. You can also just text give to 707-883-3019. And if you are here in person, we do have a mailbox at the back. It's just a silver mail slot. You can stick in your check or your cash there. And um, we so much appreciate you again for your generosity. Right now, I'd like to hand it over back to Pastor Gary to lead us in worshiping through his God's word. All right. Thank you so much. Y'all. Thank you. All right. Let me move up here just a little bit. I know I'm violating the 20-foot space. I think now I'm 18 feet from some of you. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think my spit travels that far. All right, so uh, real quick, um, uh, we uh, Elsa was just talking about trunk or treat. I, w- I want to uh, just share a thought with you, if I can, please. Um, I'd like us to do one thing in the month of October, only one thing, okay? One thing that would touch our community, all right? Uh, because I really think that, that the church, we have a mission. And our mission isn't to ourselves. Our mission is into our community. And I'd like to see us all come together, everybody who calls Solana Valley Church home. Uh, for those of you who are on YouTube, uh, those of you who might be on Facebook, but I'm asking us all to come together and just do one thing that loves and serves our community. And I think a great thing that we can do is our trunk or treat. So I'd like to ask you and encourage you that if you consider this church home to come together with us to do this one thing to reach out to our community. And the way you can do it is either, as uh, Elsa talked about, is you can choose to set up your car, uh, decorate your trunk, create a game where kids, kids from our church but kids from our community can come and have fun and maybe distribute candy. Uh, the other thing that you can do is uh, is you can also don- donate candy. But I'd like to see us just with the love of Jesus, loving our community, come together and try to in the month of October to do one thing that tells the people of our community that they matter to God because they matter to us. So just want to encourage that. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to that. In uh, John chapter 11, and I'm going to do something here while you're opening up to it. Sometimes I need a little, I need a little staple. Uh, not a staple. What do you call that? Paper clip. To put in my Bible because I lose my place. And this way I can get right back to it real quick. But John chapter 11. Real quick, a uh, couple of thoughts here. And then we're going to look at John chapter 11, verses 1 through 47. Um, Merriam-Webster. Anybody know a Webster dictionary? Uh, Merriam-Webster 
defines death as a permanent cessation of all vital functions. Did you get that? Death is a permanent cessation of all vital functions. And I would say that death is pretty final and death typically is pretty permanent unless Jesus shows up at your funeral, okay? Uh, that death is this permanent cessation of all vital functions. Um, there's a guy's name is Ed Bloom. Ed, uh, uh, Dr. Bloom uh, has written a number of articles. He's written another number of commentaries on books of the Bible. Uh, he used to be a professor of uh, New Testament and uh, professor of theology at Dallas Seminary where I went to school. And um, <clears throat> Dr. Bloom writes this in one of his commentaries on the Gospel of John. He says, death is the great horror which sin has produced. Physical death is the divine object lesson of what sin does in the spiritual realm. As physical death ends life and separates people, so spiritual death is the separation of people from God and the loss of life which is in God. Did you get that? So that death is the great horror which sin has produced. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sin, death is a terrible thing. Those of us who've been touched by death, you know, we've lost a loved one, you know how true this is. That that death is this great horror which sin has produced. And that physical death... I remember the first time my life was touched by death. And and when I was a a 17-year-old senior in high school, both of my grandfathers died. And it was the first time I really felt death up close. That that physical death is the divine object lesson of what sin does in the spiritual realm. That, That when we sin, that what sin has done for you and me is it has, um, that with that comes spiritual death. Spiritual death, that as physical death separates us from our loved ones, people, spiritual death separates us from God. And, um, and, and, uh, and so, so death is what, what it's that, that, that eternal separation from God forever and ever. Now, death isn't a pleasant topic, but it is essential to understand that not even death can keep God from accomplishing his purpose uh, when Jesus shows up. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at how Jesus shows up in John chapter 11. So I'm just going to kind of read through this. I'm going to make a few comments on it. It's a longer text, uh, so I'll make my points at the end real quick, real short, okay? So John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, uh, we've got it up on the screen. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV text today, okay? John chapter 11, verses 1 through 47. The Bible says this, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, uh, whose brother was Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I I think that's kind of an interesting... um, an interesting message. Lord, the one you love is sick. They don't say, Lord, our brother is sick. That when they reach out to Jesus about their brother, they say, Lord, the one you love 
is sick. They don't directly ask Jesus to do anything. But certainly it's implied by what they're saying. The message is real simple. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Now, you know, sometimes sickness ends in death, doesn't it? God doesn't promise to always heal when we pray. People do, in fact, get sick. People do, in fact, die. You read about it in the Bible. And you've experienced it in real life. This sickness will not end in death, says Jesus. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. In other words, this is a sickness that doesn't end in death. This is a sickness that ends in glory. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Uh, or, excuse me, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Hmm. Two more days. And then he said to, to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. I, I think this is kind of an interesting statement here. Is that when Jesus, uh, after Jesus, when Jesus heard this, uh, Jesus loved Martha, he loved Mary, he loved Lazarus. And so what does he do? He waits two more days. You, you, when you read this, when I read this, what I think of is, is I read, well, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus. So immediately he left to go help them. I mean, if I were going to tell the story, and if I were going to make up the story, it would be an immediate response from Jesus. And the reason I want, to, I want to focus on that for just a moment is, have you ever prayed earnestly about something? Have you ever prayed earnestly for someone that you care deeply for? Have you ever prayed unselfishly for the need of another person? And you felt like God put you on hold. Because that's kind of what it feels like in this moment. That Jesus doesn't respond immediately. He waits two more days. Uh, when um, Verse 8, I think that's where I'm at right now. Uh, oh, I'm in verse 7. Thank you, Carolyn. Uh, so when he heard what the Jesus, Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short, time, a short while ago the Jews uh, tried to stone you. And you, were, and you want to go back? So just a, a few days before this, maybe a week or two or a month, we don't really know how long it had been. But what we do know is that, that Jesus had healed a man who was blind. And that the, the uh, religious leaders were seeking to kill Jesus. And so his disciples remind him about this. And, and Jesus answered and he said, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they, are, for, for they have no light. Throughout the Gospel of John, we see these references to day and night. We see references to light and darkness. And, and we see this theme that a, a time is coming of night. Uh, and, but, but Jesus is saying here, hey, it's still the day. It's still time for us to work. Verse 11 goes on to say this. After he had said this, Jesus went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now, when his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. 
Now, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And what Jesus was saying is that when he was saying that he's asleep, he wasn't saying he's literally physically asleep, but he was saying that he was, in fact, dead. But his intent was to go and to, to awaken him again, to raise him from the dead. That is no more difficult for Jesus to raise a person who is dead than it is for you or me to awaken someone who's asleep. So then they, they told him, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, and real quick, Thomas is the Aramaic uh, word for twin. Didymus is the Greek word for twin. So Thomas's name literally was twin, okay? So what, was it a nickname? Was it his real name? Don't know. Uh, but, but he says, uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas said, let... Uh, said to the rest, let us also go that we may die with him. And so Thomas is fully expecting they're going to go to Judea. Judas is going to, or Jesus is going to be killed, and they're going to be killed with him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Okay, so, so Lazarus was, uh, just so we're clear here, Lazarus was not a little bit dead. Okay? Okay, there, there's no such thing as being a little bit dead. Okay, just are we clear on this? Uh, you know, either a person is dead or alive. I have a, a friend of mine. Uh, we're, we're on the board together uh, for Venture Church Network. And a, a while back, I couldn't believe it. It was so crazy. Um, he had flatlined on a table uh, in the hospital. He was physically no heart, nothing. And so they took one of those, you know, electrocardiogram. I don't know what, not electrocardio. What is it? Defibrillator. Thank you, bro. Thanks, man. Uh, he takes. They take a defibrillator, and you know, they give him that, you know, that that electrical shock, awaken his heart again. Okay. So I guess you can be a little bit dead. Uh, the crazy thing is that happened to him the very next week. He was in our meeting together, and I'm like, bro, you were dead last week. You need to stay home and rest. And. Uh, but, but in this case, uh, you, you don't use a defibrillator to arouse someone who's been dead for four days, all right? It had been four days. If, if you can be a little bit dead, in this case, Lazarus was very, very, very dead. Um, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them and the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus, uh, but Mary stayed at home. And so we see Martha, she's going out, she's the more activist of the two, and she's going directly to Jesus. Verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother... Lazarus will rise again. Martha answered, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And, and so Martha, she believes in the final day. She believes in the future resurrection that's coming. The Bible talks about this in several different places. And so she believes that, that Jesus is here speaking about the final day, that, that resurrection day, when, when Lazarus will be raised again. And so... Uh, Jesus answers her, and he says this, verse 25. And if you have a pen and you got your Bible open, if this isn't underlined, I would underline it. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never never die. Do you believe this? Martha answered, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. She said, the teacher is here and, and, uh, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been there with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up uh, and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Now, real interesting, real interesting, just uh, 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 a little interesting footnote here. Mary, we see Mary, this Mary, the the sister of Lazarus. There's more than one Mary in in the Gospels, okay? But we see this Mary uh, in three different stories in in the Gospels, okay? In one story, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus uh, when Jesus is teaching his disciples while Martha is busy uh, preparing a meal for them. But we see her... Uh, we see her at the feet of Jesus, listening to him um, um, and doing what Jesus calls the better thing, just sitting at his feet, listening to him. The next time that we see Mary, we see her here and we see her again at the feet of Jesus. Interesting. At the feet of Jesus listening, at the feet of Jesus now, mourning, grieving. And we're going to read about Mary again next week uh, in John chapter 12. And guess where Mary's going to be? At the feet of Jesus. Anointing his feet with very expensive perfume and then wiping his feet with her hair. That this for her, um, her place was to always be at the feet of Jesus. And so she's at the feet of Jesus. And uh, she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, interesting that Jesus does not speak to, to Mary the same way he speaks to Martha. In fact, he doesn't speak at all. That with Martha, he reminds her of the coming resurrection. But with Mary, Jesus does something very, very different. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. Very, very interesting. This word, deeply moved, deeply moved. Some translations will translate it as he was angered. Some translations will translate it as uh, that he was, uh, that he groaned, uh, that he was greatly disturbed. Uh, the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament translates this word saying to snort as an expression of anger, to be moved with deepest emotions. So which of these, which, which, what is it? What is, what's happening here in Jesus? And I think what's happening in Jesus is Jesus is deeply moved, perhaps even angered in the moment, not with Mary, not with Mary, uh, not necessarily with those who are mourning, but he is grieving, he's grieving what sin and death does to you and me. 
that he is deeply moved by the things that grieve us. I believe that, that, that Jesus here is, is grieved over uh, the loss that Mary is suffering and that she's feeling. And so Jesus asked, where have you laid him? Uh, Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the scripture says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved Lazarus. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the, uh, to, to the tomb. It was a stone, or excuse me, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Now, this would have been the kind of burial place for a very, very rich man. Okay? And so they come to the, uh, they, they come to the cave, they come to the tomb, and, and what Jesus says, verse 39, take away the stone. Right? Take away the stone. Now, just imagine, we go over, I don't know, go, let's go to Rockville Cemetery, all right? It's one of my favorite cemeteries. It's just, it's very, very peaceful out there. Uh, you know, nobody bothers you, okay? Uh, I'll go out there and read my Bible every once in a while. I've, I've gone there before. I'll take my computer with me, and I'll actually work on sermons uh, out there. And, um, it, but just imagine we go out to Rockville Cemetery, and we're all out there, and someone says, okay, let's open the tomb. Let's open the grave. Kind of sounds morbid, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, this is not the, uh, this is kind of a strange Strange request by, by Jesus. Take away the stone. The Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. And, and you know, I mean, it would be natural to object to opening up a tomb. Jesus says this. He says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So right now he's praying aloud, not for his own benefit, not so that God will hear him, but for the benefit of those who are standing around watching this happen. So they took away, uh, so he, um, uh, after he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice. This is verse 43. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. You see this? I mean... Seems kind of natural. You see a man who had been dead for four days, and now he's alive and he's walking around. It would be very, very natural to believe. Verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them uh, what Jesus had done. Then the Pharisees' chief priests, Pharisees, called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Quick comment, then I'm going to talk about some some real important principles here, if I can, okay? Um, It's interesting one of the things we see in the Gospel of John is we see Jesus doing these signs, meaning they are miracles that have significance. They are miracles that point out something special about Jesus and identify for us who he is. And from time to time, I've heard people say, if I could see a sign from God, then I would believe. But one of the things that we see in the Scriptures 
is that people often see signs but still don't believe. The Egyptians saw the signs and wonders that God did to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. But they stubbornly refused to believe God. These people, they saw the sign of Jesus raising a person from the dead, and they refused to believe Jesus. The real problem of unbelief isn't intellectual. The real problem of unbelief is spiritual. It is a stubborn refusal to believe God. Three thoughts here, three thoughts real quick, and then we'll tie this up. Uh, First of all, uh, three things I want you to see. First of all, in Jesus we see that God loves people and is grieved by the effects of sin, suffering, and death. You know how I mentioned a moment ago about how um, Jesus loves, it says Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, so he waited two more days? That, that you could read that and you could misunderstand it to mean that somehow Jesus was indifferent. But in fact, Jesus loved them. He was not indifferent to their suffering. That, that he loved them. Uh, he loved Mary. He loved Martha. Uh, he loved Lazarus. I already mentioned to you a moment ago uh, this, this word, imbrimalmai, uh, which is translated as deeply moved, groaned, angry, greatly disturbed. That Jesus is disturbed by sin and by suffering and by death. And what I want you to understand is that when your heart is broken, God is never indifferent. When your heart is aching, God loves you. Just because God allows you to go through painful circumstances does not mean that God is indifferent to your suffering. That God is as moved by your suffering as you are and I am. That Jesus weeps with Mary and Martha and the other Jews that are present. That he cares deeply. Now, the the truth is, is we live in a world that's at war with God. Sin has entered God's good creation. And with sin has come suffering and death. And so sometimes we experience that pain, that agony. But God is never indifferent about our suffering. Another thought on this that I want to just uh, share with you is this. Is that just as God is not, just as God loves people, and just as God is not indifferent to people's suffering, We should also love people. We should love people of every ethnicity. We should love people from every political party. We should love people regardless of how much education they've had or how little education they've had. That we should love people the way God loves people. God does not love me more because uh, God does not love, let's say, a person who's homeless, who who struggles with, uh, uh, with, with, um, uh, with uh, mental health issues, uh, a, a person who maybe struggles with drug addiction or other issues, God does not love that person any less than he loves you or me. And we should love all people regardless of their background. We should love every single individual because every single individual, regardless of their background, regardless of what they've been through, regardless of what they've done, they have been created in the image of God. And we should love those people the way God loves them. And at the same way that God was not indifferent to the suffering of of 
Mary, Martha, and the others who were there grieving the death of Lazarus, we should never be indifferent to the suffering of people around us. That we need to be people who are uh, guided by compassion and mercy. You know, it's interesting to me, is one of the things that we see in the Gospels is the more self-righteous people were, the less compassionate they were. Did you know that? Yeah. The Pharisees, they were not, uh, they were very self-righteous. And they thought of themselves as being better than other people. And they were indifferent to a lot of human suffering. So uh, uh, the, the, a lack of compassion is not, uh, it, it, it is, uh, oftentimes, it is centered in self-righteousness. And that we need to be a compassionate people who care deeply for the suffering of others around us. In Jesus, we see that God loves people and is grieved by the effects of sin, uh, the, the effects of sin, suffering, and death. Uh, second thing I want you to see in this text is this. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life and gives eternal life to all who believe in him. That, that what the scripture says here, uh, what Jesus says, um, what Jesus says to Martha, uh, you know, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He gives eternal life to all who believe in him. That, that, um, and then the third thing I want you to see in the text is that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are glorified in the works of Jesus. At the very beginning of this text... Uh, the uh, sisters send word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus answers saying, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. That, and then later uh, in verse uh, 40, uh, Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? And that what God wants to do and what God does here in this text is that he has allowed the sickness uh, as a means of demonstrating his glory and revealing his glory and for the Son to be glorified in it. Um, death, death is not a pleasant subject. It's not a, a pleasant subject. But really, until we're ready uh, to face death, we're not really ready to live. That what God wants for you and me is he wants us to fix our hope on Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. That he wants us to to see and understand that, that he loves us and he's deeply grieved by the things that grieve you and me. He is the resurrection and the life. And he wants to glorify himself through how he works in our lives, even when we go through painful situations similar to what Mary and Martha went through here. Let's pray. God, you, um, this morning, we just want to acknowledge 
uh, and we want to um, we want to thank you and praise you because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That 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 death is not final. Uh, that ultimately uh, that that life is final in Jesus. That ultimately it's not life that's swallowed up by death. It is death that's swallowed up for, by by life for all who believe in you. God, I pray for anyone today listening to this message, either uh, through YouTube or Facebook or anyone here today who's not yet put their hope in Jesus. I pray that you would help them to see that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that he gives eternal life to all who will believe in him. I pray, God, today that you would save that person. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you very much, Gary. and. If you do make that decision, you do say yes to Jesus and you accept his gift of eternal life, that is a glorious day. That is, that is a fantastic, fantastic day when we say yes to Jesus and we, when we allow him to change us from the inside out and help us to become more like Jesus. Amen? I do pray that you would do that if you haven't already. And I want to invite you to stand right now. And we're going to worship the Lord together one more time. Let's sing. One, two, three. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind? Of weight, it was my doom till I met you. I was breathing, but now alive. All my failures I tried to hide, and it was. It was my tune. Till when? Till I met you. Because he called. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness. Into your glorious face. You called my name. Mercy. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now the freedom is all that I know. The old may Jesus, when I met you, did you call?
Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. You have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time.